0: The Normal Goes a Long Way podcast is your home for real conversations with real people using real language about how faith and real life intersect. Welcome to the conversation. Not too long ago, I had Andy Wiggins and Todd Larkin on for episodes 75 and 76, A Mission to Create Hope and Transform Lives in Uganda. And Andy and Todd have really become these individuals who are just, I don't know. We just, I'm so glad I've gotten to know them. And the two women that are with me now probably agree that they are so happy that they have gotten to know them, but The whole background into what we're going to talk about today, I would really encourage you to go back to episodes 75 and 76 and get a background, because we're going to talk about Hearts and Hope. Um, Todd and Andy are the founders of Hearts and Hope, and I have learned about Hearts and Hope through our church in St. Charles, which is a suburb outside of uh, St. Louis, but our church is Messiah St. Charles, and so I have become more involved with Hearts and Hope, and Want to learn even more. And so the women in front of me, Sarah and Kelly. Hello and welcome hey. to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> We're very happy so let's, I guess, just start first of all. What is your role at Hearts and Hope? So
1: this is Sarah speaking, and I am the program manager or leader at Hearts and Hope for Uganda. That means that I work with all of our overall programs that happen in Uganda. So our child sponsorship program as well as any of our projects. So any clean water wells, any school construction projects. Um, I work with our staff, and then I also work with our partners to coordinate any projects and
2: programs that are happening.
0: Okay, and Kelly, what do you do? <laughs> I
2: um, I guess my official title is the uh, U.S. Business Development. I don't even know it <laughs> on my business card, <laughs> but I do... I do um, Marketing, fundraising, and I lead the mission trips to Uganda. And, yeah, basically trip coordination, fundraising, marketing, business development.
0: <laughs> okay. I I think with this season of this podcast, we were talking about yes moments. And originally they were designed when I realized I was sitting in a message on a Sunday morning, and one of the pastors said something, and I was like, yes, like, yes, that really got to me. And everybody has yes moments all over. So I realized I had pigeonholed myself by just limiting it to Sunday. So then I started talking about outside experiences. And in thinking about, and what I know little about both of you, and thinking about what the conversations were with Andy and Todd, I thought, okay, these two ladies have yes moments and we're going to go, you, clearly you did not start your careers at Heart and Hope, correct? Hearts and Hope, correct? True. Correct. Okay. So when you go to a nonprofit, when you choose to make the jump to a nonprofit, that in itself is scary but it has to be because of yes moments. So Kelly, let's start with what you did before Hearts and Hope.
2: Um, Before I worked in the nonprofit world, I worked in the medical world and I was a registered nurse and um, in cardiac telemetry, ICU step down type of settings.
0: And you're not using any of that currently. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't hear that very often, especially in the medical world. Yeah,
2: my resume flipped drastically <laughs> from, like, uh, I know nursing to nothing to do with nursing.
0: Okay, so let's let's talk about that. Because that clearly had to be a yes moment for you to turn from that to where you are now.
2: Yeah, um, I think just Uganda in general was was always a yes in my heart that was waiting to come alive. Um, nursing was always something that I was good at, and I liked taking care of people, but I never, I, I guess I never found passion in in doing that. Like, I loved what I did, but it, it didn't feel like my forever thing. And so when I discovered Hearts and Hope, um, Andy Wiggins came and talked at my sister's school that she te- taught Spanish at, and she came back and told me, hey, I know you want to get involved. Helping kids in Africa, and um, told me about Hearts and Hope, and so I started sponsoring with them, and still doing nursing. And then, and then it just clicked how much I wanted to go and meet meet the child I sponsor and have build like an actual relationship with them. Um, and so I think my ultimate yes moment was when um, I signed up to go on my first mission trip in 2016, um, and then my life had drastically changed after that. Um, And when it comes to working for Hearts and Hope, um, Uganda was something that just was always calling me back to its to itself, I guess. Um, And when I heard that Hearts and Hope was hiring, I was about to go to Uganda and work for the summer there, um, not with Hearts and Hope, but just on my own. Um, And I remember some voice inside of me saying, if you don't apply for this job just because you doubt yourself, you're only a nurse or you're just a nurse. Someone else is going to get that job and you're going to regret it every day of your life. You know, you're meant for this job. You know that Uganda is in your heart. So go for it. And so at the airport going to Uganda, I applied for the hearts and health position and yeah,
0: I got it when I got back. So yeah, I'm so glad and I'm sure so many other people are glad that you listen to that voice because most of the time we don't. Mm -hmm. Okay, wait, I got to go back though, because something that you said, your sister said that you had been thinking of helping kids in Africa. What is that? Like, there's clearly something that has been in your mind, in your heart. How did that all start?
2: I, it was, it was always there. I always felt like I was, even like as a child, I felt like I was undeserving of how many blessings I have of, of like material blessings particularly. And just like living in the U S and I just always had like a sense of like guilt or a sense of like wanting to do something to help anything that I could do. And it may, it may I sound like such a saint, but I swear I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and like, as of just growing up, um, my mom would take us to North city and we would, you know, volunteer for, again, I'm not a saint, but we'd volunteer for certain food pantries and I'd, I'd interact with the poverty in St. Louis and as a child meeting other fellow children. And, you know, in high school, I remember volunteering and just really having a place, particularly for children who are vulnerable and innocent and have no choice in the poverty that they're born into. Um, and then Uganda was introduced to me through the documentary Invisible Children, which was popular when I was in high school. Um, and so I watched that and that was about the the war in Northern Uganda, um, with the child soldiers and all that horrible stuff. But that was when Uganda got into my heart and, um, I, once I was out of school and was able to support myself, I knew I had the means now just to help someone else, but I wanted to do it and know that my money was going,
1: Mm -hmm. was
2: going to that child. And so my sister said like, oh. You know, we gave them Dum Dums and a pink soccer ball, and they showed us pictures of the kids with the Dum Dums and the pink soccer balls. And so I was like, "Okay, that's good enough for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start sponsoring." And yeah, then you got to never. It was just always there <laughs> to want to help.
0: As a parent to two little girls, I struggle a lot when. They take for granted and I understand they're very young and, and Andy and Todd and I talked about this too. Like you cannot go on a mission trip and come back and expect your kids to fully understand and say, you don't know how well you have it. That was one conversation we had, but I'm, you know, I want my kids to know that and see that. Like I want them to know and, I don't know when you were just talking about what you experienced, like, I don't know, do I need to be better at my job as a mother and expose them to certain things? I don't know. Like I, that is very interesting that what you said about growing up.
2: I think what my mom did well was she was involved with other groups that did a lot of like just service work. And it's easy for everyone to want to take their kids, no matter how old they are, to a place like Uganda and show them like the actual, look, this is what, this is what the majority of other children in the world have to deal with every day, um, which obviously that's impossible. Um, But I think Uganda can be found everywhere. I think it's, it is important to, to not expose, but I guess introduce, um, especially children who are more, privileged
0: yeah it's <laughs> like a better
2: word for that. yeah or children who just I guess are much more blessed fit with material things yeah um having them see that even really close to where you live there are children who you know they they don't have food every day or you know they don't have clothes they don't take baths every day they um and just showing them that like that exists and like this is what we can do to help and then so that can extend in your backyard to all over the world
1: Something I think that's tricky about that is um, something that I've struggled with as I've been exposed to poverty is the guilt that comes with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about these kids that are growing up with so much and look at these guys that don't have anything, I think there's also a struggle to not accidentally say that something's wrong with you for having so much mm-hmm. and that or that something that you need to feel sorry for people who don't have
2: Yeah, I guess ins- instilling gratitude for what they do mm-hmm. have and having them mm-hmm. understand why it's so important to be grateful for all of these things and i guess the importance of prayer as well like prayer for these children who don't have the best living situations and praying for their futures and also just yeah acknowledging and appreciating what what we do have
0: yeah That's really important
1: and maybe even that worth isn't attached to you know that your ch- children don't have worth because of what they have but that the kids who don't have things don't have less worth because of what they don't have. Um, Like, I think that I had a very similar situation with my parents being very active in the community and always bringing their kids into that. And my mom was really good at taking us places and saying, oh, we're volunteering here. You're coming with us. You're part of this. My dad was really good at living that out day to day just with every person he would meet so you know we'd be driving along and he'd see someone on the road and be like oh let's stop and see how they're doing like if they need a ride or he was a little <laughs> he was a little radical in his uh, <laughs> just
2: you know, like Sarah is
1: <laughs> yeah both you and I have had multiple random people in our cars at times where
2: you're just like well they seem like they could
1: have a ride <laughs> um but he you know he would constantly be finding somebody who needs a little helping hand or, oh, look at this little lady who needs her groceries in or, you know, and just showing that we all have something to give, even to the people who look like us Mm -hmm. and have the same things as us. And I think that's really a valuable lesson is not just, oh, they're poor, so they need us or, oh, you need to be exposed to this, but recognizing you have worth because of who God has made you and they have worth because of who God has made them. And how can you be benefiting the people you interact with? no matter what they look like or where they are.
0: So you both have these childhood memories. Do you think you could identify maybe the age of when that kind of hit you?
2: Um, yeah, I have a specific memory. I I had to have been like eight, eight or nine. And I remember we were volunteering at the Missionaries of Charity, which is the Mother Teresa's uh, convent or order of nuns, I guess. Um, and they have they have a place in North city or they did at the time. And, um, we were delivering peaches cause they had peach trees. And so we took peaches, put them in bags, and then we were delivering them to different houses that needed food. And I remember walking in with a bag of peaches to this girl who was my age. And I remember thinking that like, Oh wow. Like her apartment, she lived with her grandma. Her apartment was so messy. Like, I just remember thinking, does, does, does anyone ever clean? And like, um, the girl looked at me and we were like playing Barbies. And I remember her Barbie was like, its hair was all crazy. And it looked really old. And I just remember really vividly identifying like, whoa, this girl lives in a very different situation. And then she, I gave her a peach and she was like, what is this? I don't like, I don't know what this is. And I was like, you don't know what a peach is. You've never had a peach. And just so many things like clicked with me that day of like, what, like, why, why do I live where I live? I eat peaches all the time. And like, this girl has to live here with her grandma who was like very sick and so that was when it hit me of like something's not right in the world and like yeah. It, oh. it was it was early and like I've had that ever since that like I need I want to do something to help. I want everyone to know what a peach is.
0: <laughs> oh, every yes, everyone <laughs> to know what a peach is. Okay, Sarah, what about you? Um
1: so, I have a few things that come to mind, and I'm not sure, you know, I'll just weave. Well, mm-hmm. you know, there's this, this tapestry of life, right? Where you're like, was it this? Was it this? And I'd say that there was definitely, when I was really young, I do remember probably being around 10 or so. And actually, my mom was really good about reading stories to us or exposing us to different things as well. So, she would read us about different martyrs in different countries or different missionaries. We heard about like videos on different people going to different countries. And so I actually remember being probably about the age of 10 and feeling like I had this dream where God was calling me to be a missionary and that he wanted me to go and help people. And I only remember I just didn't want to go to Africa. That was the only rule that I had. Really? Yeah, that was the only one because I found out from what I was listening to that you had to live in a hunt hut and you'd probably get speared to death at some point oh that was, that was my so that's I don't what realize, you heard that, that, that was my association that as doesn't tenure. happen yeah. um, where we go <laughs> at
2: least not yeah. that was south you you know
1: a lot it turns out a lot of the stories she was sharing with us were very early day mission okay okay
0: <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> as a child though you don't you don't know you no know that context and so i do remember being like well as long as it's not africa
0: <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh yeah
1: but then it wasn't i don't think i really I think before that, it was just this sense of compassion that they were really great at showing um, for all living creatures, whether it's animals or people. But when I was probably 14 or 15, I started working at a summer camp for inner city children. And the kids would tell about how they had to sleep with pipes underneath their beds in case somebody were to come in or about, you know, the gun violence that their families had faced. And I think like those sort of early experiences were huge wake up calls to me in terms of this life that I could never even imagine. And here these children are not so much younger than I was myself. And they literally didn't know if they could be sleep through the night peacefully. And so that was just recognizing that just already put something in your mind that says, okay, here are some people I'm learning to love and care for. Like, you know, they're spending all summer with them and their lives are so fraught with vulnerabilities and danger and, just insecurities and lack of presence of parental guidelines and education all, all around the board. And so you recognize that disparity and you also recognize the way that you are actively contributing beneficially to their life. And that honestly is, I think I learned at a young age how fulfilling that is to be, to use your time and energy to pour into people and see the fruit that's born from that. I think. That was something I learned really early on. Like you love and you get loved back and it's just beautiful. It's not always like that. But recognizing that there's this place that you can plug into and it's not just, you know, you playing video games or you just playing with your friends or whatever. It's actually for a purpose. I think that was an early core lesson for me.
0: Well, you both have this similar situation where it was meeting kids Mm -hmm. your own age. Mm -hmm. And I am just like thinking about that with my girls, like, Oh, what would that be like if they are in a room Mm -hmm. with someone their own age, completely different Mm -hmm. lifestyle. That's what clicked. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, we have not gotten to your yes moment, Sarah. Uh-huh. This is what we do. Let's just have to go all over the place <laughs> yeah. here. So, before joining Hearts and Hope, what did you do?
1: So, <laughs> uh, I—that's a complicated one for me because <laughs> I, for instance, I went through a three-year period where I didn't stay anywhere longer than three months um, for three years until seven months in Mexico, and a lot of that was back and forth and back and forth going to missional things and all sorts.
0: I have a bit of a history. Um, (laughs) Are you an adventure-free spirit? Something like that. You can say that. An escapist. (laughs) No, no, no. An intentional liver. How about that? Okay. I like that, intentional (laughs) liver.
1: So I think I found really early on that I really disconnected from traditional, conventional (laughs) <laughs> lifestyles in terms of oh it, it's expected that like your worth comes from a piece of paper or mm-hmm. being in a room and memorizing the answers long enough to take a test and then I learned that I, I'm not like I, I can do well at school but I don't I, I when I had been having these experiences elsewhere in these other countries or in my own backyard it felt really meaningless to me to be in a class like to spend time in a classroom at that particular when I was young and Especially with, like, the generic subjects that you're like, "Ah, I couldn't even use this information. (laughs) I definitely don't retain it that well. Um, And uh, so I did not take, like, a traditional path to my life. It was kind of like a God, what's next situation. And so um, I actually joined Youth with a Mission, which is a missional organization for young adults. And they do some several months of training called the Discipleship Training Program. And then they do three three or so months of field work where you get to utilize what you have experienced and learned. And so in my case, we went to Haiti after the 2010 earthquake and we're working with like, her, like the earthquake survivors. And it was when they were still like pulling people out of rubble. Like it was very fresh. We all lived like in a tent together at like a special needs orphanage. And it was a really chaotic environment. And it was heartbreaking and horrifying and you did things that you felt good about and you did things that you felt horrible about because of how they were done and but either way it was one of those things like going back to the states was just almost impossible for me because you come from seeing this absolute joy within suffering and then you come back and like I remember going to the mall and being like "What?" Oh, like this these are just stores where you just spend money to change your clothes so that you look better. Like, this is just, like, aesthetically, you want to make yourself look better to other humans so that you can have another pair of shoes or another T-shirt. or, And then even going to the movies, I'm like, I just paid money to watch fake lives happen in front of me. Like, everything felt like a culture shock to me. Like, I would go to my bed, which was a twin-size bed at the time. I was like, I could fit, like, ten kids in
2: this bed. So it
1: was just, like, it took me a long time not to feel – and that that goes back to the guilt thing, right? Like, I had a really hard time having anything at that point because I just came from meeting these amazing people who had nothing and looking at my life in the States, and I'm like, I – have so much and I have I can't even deal with having this much and it felt like so I had so much guilt about it and it took me a long time to recognize that I just like they can't help where they were born I can't help where I was born Mm. and that I will be around resources I will I was like even if I give up everything I have somebody's gonna be like oh you gave up your phone I have an extra phone oh you you know you don't have a place I have an extra you know i live in abundance like the people around me have abundance and there's a there's a source of generosity here in the states too and so I recognize that I actually can't have nothing in my current (laughs) surroundings and that's not what I've been born into or need but I do have a responsibility to use my money and resources wisely and so recognizing that I heard a quote that every dollar you spend is a vote towards the kind of world you want to live in and just things like that like recognizing like having resources I need to be responsible for how I use those resources and like you can't see stuff like that and then walk away and live a normal like your normal life like you just there's just that you know knowledge equals responsibility and so I felt that really strongly at a young age and that kind of ruined a lot of things for me Mm -hmm. I think (laughs) like it took me a long time to feel okay just doing like spending money on socializing and stuff like that um which I know I did walk in here with a $5 $5 latte. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I will say that there's been <laughs> some areas where you do recognize, like, okay, well, <laughs> um, <laughs> do I need that every day? No, but is it okay to have everyone's while? Probably. <laughs> right. Um, but so from there, I just, um, I lived in Amsterdam and Mexico and Los Angeles and New York and Greece and just doing so I my my yes moments have happened moment to moment to moment year to year to year and it's been
0: I'm sure we could do a whole <laughs> slew of yes moments with you Sarah yeah, life is. <laughs> yeah
1: and so I've had a lot of like very normal jobs in between like I just working retail or you know I basically come back to St. Louis work save up and then go and do these things and as I as I especially when I was working in Greece with refugees I did recognize I want to have the skill sets to do this well and that there is a, a way to do this poorly and a way to do this in a way that actually benefits people and so I did go back to school at that point. I had been kind of dabbling with school when I was in St. Louis but um, so i I went back to school and I got my bachelor's degree in social work I was thinking I would continue that um, up to the master's level but I happened to see a job hearts and Hope for Uganda, like right after I graduated. So it was the first job I
0: applied to, and
2: I got it. (laughs) Spoiler alert! (laughs) And how
0: long has it been? Uh, almost five five years.
2: years.
0: (laughs) No three-month thing. Five years. That's a big commitment.
2: Oh yeah, yes. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but. That hasn't stopped her from talking about oh, yeah. the next thing every single month. <laughs> Excuse me, Kelly. <laughs> Just saying, it's been five years. So. No,
1: and, but that's, that's the beauty of this particular job is something I've struggled with is that disconnect. Coming back to St. Louis where you're so separate from everything you've experienced and then going to this field and experiencing and connecting with a people group and a demographic and a passion that you then can't take home with you. And that's what makes Heart and Hope. Uganda unique and beautiful to me is that I still get to go and be amongst a different culture and a different like beautiful like beautiful people who are working towards something and struggling towards something and be part of that mission yet also go back to my very own hometown and still have that same connection and interaction and not have to have those be different worlds but one world and that is something I've never had and so I love it.
0: I, I want to say that obviously the listener cannot see you two right now. Um, they will on our social medias <laughs> accounts, but these two women are young. Like you two, I don't know your ages. You don't have to say, but I know you're young. I can just tell. Um, and it's dang. It's just like, you're doing what some people wait to do after they've lived quote on quote their life and then they get into this and so that in itself is inspiring i think now is a great time to hit pause on this conversation and then come back and hear the rest of the yes moments that kelly and sarah have for us in episode 84